0: It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Friday, April the 9th, 2021. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the talkingmetspodcast.com Send me a tweet, at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No, G, Mike Silva at com. Well, uh, welcome back, and this is a short edition of... Of the Talking Mets podcast. I thought I'd come to you here on this first off day of the 2021 season. Well, really not because of the weekend series with the Nats being canceled and what an odd first week to the season it's been. And I actually thought about coming to everybody during the off weekend in Washington, D.C., but it would have been different. We had a couple of larger conversations we could have had with the All Star game being moved. And maybe we'll get to that at some point. I think. It's really important to get and talk baseball. I mean, that's that's why we're here, and you know, now that baseball has started, it'd be nice to start to really look at you know the season and how things are going to go. So, sure enough, I told everybody exactly what was going to happen. Here you go. You do the Lindor extension show, and he was going to sign right after. Now, I think I did that show in a way where. My feelings, whether he signed or not, were the same, and I think some of that'll come up today. But uh, we, can't, I think, we last time we were together, it was uh, about a, a day or so before the season started, and we were talking about the Lindor extension, and it didn't look like he was going to get done, and uh, it would have been a much different, I guess, look to the start of the season, and the feelings about Lindor would have been much different. So, you know, that's off the plate. A big topic of conversations off the plate, but it's not a topic that I think will completely go away. And I think Michael Conforto, uh, he of the hit-by-pitch, uh, is going to get looped a little bit into that as well, and that might be a theme throughout the season. So this short is really uh, what I call an early bird-looking. I mean, this is essentially assessing the season. If this season was a game, this is like assessing it after like a couple of at-bats. And, you know, I don't like to get into like what you're going to see in the media. The day in and day out, I call it the footballization of analysis, where every week is live or die. Every game is live or die. You can't do that. You can't do that in baseball. It's a little different in the NBA, but you can't do it there either, and certainly not in the NHL. But everybody likes to do the week in and week out footballization because it's good for media clicks. Uh, It creates content, lazily creates content, and that's not what we do here. But... I think because last year being the pandemic season, and and it was hard, and it will forever be that kind of season as you assess players that you have to almost throw out. It, it would be it was it, with fans coming back and some of the the normalcy of what we expect here when we look at you know the narrative of a Mets baseball season. I think it was it'd be interesting to look at the early returns here after really just. A one series. I mean, they, yesterday was opening day at City Field. Now, for those that have been around a while, you kind of get an idea of how I do this, my belief about how you assess the team and what to expect. You know, throughout the offseason, we play GM. We play GM. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, manufactured debate that you could create in the offseason season. In a lot of ways. Sometimes the offseason is easier to talk baseball than the regular season because you have those lulls in the regular season where. Really, you're going on and you're just repeating yourself. And we just talk Mets baseball here. We can't talk Yankees baseball. We can't talk NFL draft. We don't get into the Knicks. That's not why you come here. But what I like to do is I like to break up the season into stages. And right now, this is the first 60 games or so. And who is this team? No matter what you project, no matter what stage of your life cycle as a team you are, whether you're the Dodgers who are coming off a championship or the Pirates who are completely rebuilding. Every season you're trying to figure out who is this team. And between now Memorial Day, which ironically is basically what the pandemic season was, what is the ceiling of this team currently constituted? You go from projections to results. And that's where we're at right now. And that's where the first four games really are at. It's a very small sample size. But you're starting to see the beginnings, the seeds of what may be good things, what may be concerns and it's too soon to put them as absolutes but we can start to write on the blank canvas then after memorial day the next 40 games as you charge into the deadline which is august 15th i believe it's still august 15th right or is it the 31st i I, see that's the thing i gotta go look up the the rules the rules change believe it's the 31st i'll check before the show is over um so uh The next 40 games leading into the deadline is what do they need to get there? Now, that could be improving internally, like bullpen management, hitting with runners in scoring position, guys being better, putting them in better positions to succeed. Do you sit certain guys against lefties? Is the lineup, which I don't get crazy about lineups, but is the lineup the right lineup? The manager is going to be a big conversation. I think that's a little unfair. I know I've always been big on on, uh, assessing the manager. I certainly was with Terry Collins. I I thought Mickey Calloway at times got a raw deal, but that'll be part of it. Mainly, you start to see, especially as you get past Memorial Day, and for the Mets, that's going to be particularly true with potentially Carrasco and maybe Carrasco and Lugo should be back, I would think, by Memorial Day. If they're not and things are looking bad, that's a problem. We talked about that on the last show. Those guys are big keys. Syndergaard, I I am not as, as bullish on. I think they'll be careful. And, and I think you are look in more July. But, but you know what I'm talking about. That would be like their early acquisition. So then the team will crystallize a little bit more from there. And then, of course, the last 60 games or so, that's just like go out and do it. What do you need to do during these road trips, these homestands, these particular teams? What, what needs to be done to get the job done? And that's action. That's not any more talk. That's not any more speculation. That's not about free agency. That's action. So that's how this is going to work. And, and we're right now in who is this team and and, and who are they? So, you know, we'll see. Um, look, I think that this is not rocket science. You don't need to come to this show to hear me tell you that. Uh, I'm not going to worry about the offense right now. Offense hasn't looked good. I think the, the, the there's some pressing going on. Uh, let's face it. The team was ready to go. The COVID breakout in D.C. Sat for a weekend. Go back to Philly. I said this last year, and I'm not making excuses because everybody's going to go through. And God, hopefully the Mets don't have another one of these or it happens to them, and you know, I've not seeing them sit for a week and a half. But baseball is truly a grind. It's day in and day out. It's creatures of habit. That habit was totally blown up with the pandemic schedule. Uh, and when you have what what happened in DC happen, you're basically taking all those. Routines and you're blowing them up and you're throwing these guys off and it's going to take some time to recalibrate and I think you're you're uh, potentially going to need maybe through the weekend that recalibration maybe they have an off day today maybe they could get recalibrate maybe you'll see some more normalcy uh, the weather's not horrible uh, City Field doesn't play well offensively pretty much ever but uh, even the days of Shea Stadium April was always the hardest time to get the ball going to get anything kind of going in terms of the ball carrying. I don't know if maybe some of the new ball is coming into play. I didn't see a huge difference. I saw some balls, you know, jumping off people's bats. But I, I will say that I didn't see through the first three, four games the the silliness that I thought I saw at times in 2019 uh, where it just looked like everything was going to the wall. It really did. There were guys, you know, hitting fly balls that I thought were were routine fly balls that were gliding back to the warning track. So maybe maybe there is something going on with that. What I think, particularly with the offense to watch uh, all year, is you have one guy in Lindor who's very critical that just got a big contract, and you have another guy in Conforto that is looking for a big contract. And you're going to ask why do they those both fall into the same thing. Well, Lindor now, he's the man. I mean, he married the Mets. He married this organization, and he's got a a no-trade clause, and he's making all this money. And I'm not saying it's impossible to deal him because anybody could get dealt, Uh, but the likelihood of Lindor not being here uh, throughout the length of this contract is very slim. Look, Robbie Cano got dealt much later in the contract, but once you sign these kind of contracts, this is the organization that you're going to be with. This is not a short-term situation. And in those early years, or your early months, ask Carlos Beltran how 2005 went. Uh, You know, Johan Santana had an easy transition when he signed the contract with the Mets. He had his best year, probably his first year. But we talked about this, Piazza and his assimilation. And he obviously got the big contract and then came in and and didn't miss a beat after that. And Keith Hernandez, when he committed to the Mets back in the 80s, you saw that. You know, he didn't miss a beat. But there's a tremendous amount of pressure and there's a bit of a baptism by fire and Lindor will go through it. I mean, there will be I mean, yesterday he got walked when he was the guy that could have won the game and uh you know, that would have been his first test. Uh you've seen tremendous things defensively with him so far, so that that's good. I mean, that's, you know, maybe the easier the two because defense is reactionary. The offense is where you know, how will things be? Will he will he tighten the bat a little bit more? We heard about him chasing a little bit in Cleveland the last year and a half two years with runners in scoring position uh you know as you become the man as the expectations grow the smile and the loosey-goosey stuff that becomes harder to do now you've seen some and I'm not down there but you could see on TV some leadership characteristics I know I talked to somebody who was down in spring training with him and it seems like he's very good at communicating and, and and being somewhat of a point guard as a defensive guy at shortstop and um you know, then you have, uh, you know, clearly the offense, which, you know, hasn't come around. What is he, three for 14 or something like that? And again, it's four games. But that's part of it. Now, for Conforto, it's the same thing, but in a different way. He wants that big contract. He has a down year. He reverts to the Conforto that pulls too much, strikes out too much. He gets any kind of moniker about the clutch, which I don't know how, if the overall numbers are good, I don't think that'll hurt him in terms of contract with other teams but it may give the Mets some pause, and it will be a theme all year. Trust me, if Conforto continues to struggle with runners in scoring position in big spots, if you don't think that will be uh, happen very quickly, it'll happen this month, it could happen this weekend, if you don't think that that's going to be, hey, does he deserve two, you know $25 million a year, uh, then you're fooling yourself. So it's something to look for because this is both hanging over both these guys' heads, and if these guys like a Carlos Beltran in 2005, have a long baptism here. And for the case of Conforto, if that happens, he's not coming back. He's gone. In the case of Lindor, uh, it's 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 critically uh, deficient to the Mets. I mean, Beltran's 2005, if he had the same kind of 2005 that he had 2006, that 05 Mets team probably makes the playoffs. I mean, there was other reasons. I'm not going to get into that now, but that was a big part. He was very pedestrian for a guy that got a very rich contract and was expected to be the jewel of the Mets offense and of the positional player group that included a young Wright and Reyes. And that's what Lindor is here to be. Yeah, they got Pete, you got McNeil. McNeil had the big hit. Conforto, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Dom Smith, so on and so forth. But Lindor is supposed to be the hub. He's the man. He's Mr. Matt now. Even though we really don't know each other, the fans don't know him, he doesn't know the fans, he doesn't know the organization, he's the man. So both these guys now are going to have to accept that responsibility, and and they're going to have to excel within that pressure. I've had players tell me once you sign that big contract, things change. You looked at differently. You feel different. And uh, there's nobody's going to put more pressure on somebody than themselves. John Harper, Ken Davidoff, Joel Sherman can put all the pressure they want. If you really, if they listen, they probably don't listen to stupid uh, shows like this there's nothing I could do to put more pressure on them, other than reiterate the fact that, hey, you're expected to be excellent because you got paid or you will get paid. As far as the hit by pitch, I think that's part and parcel to a guy that's pressing a little bit. Uh he he was very uncomfortable against every breaking pitch that Bass threw and he was looking that ball into the strike zone and I, I just think he's he was it was a confused batter. He was non committal and then he somehow got his elbow into the strike zone and you know, it's it's not the right call. It's 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 when you see it in real time, it, it's easy to say, "Hey, it nicked them." Go to first, and then you look at a replay, and that's the whole thing with these replays. You look at replay, uh, you're looking at it at super slow motion, three, four, five times. Your your mind could make different judgments than in a, in a split second. Mets have been screwed. Every team has been screwed with a bad call. They're on the right side of this call. Maybe that's a sign of better days to come. In the Steve Cohen era, maybe that's some of the magic that comes about in a championship season. Whether it's a ball going out under someone's glove in the World Series, shoe polish in the World Series, or somewhere in between, that's what happens. You know, one thing that I think, uh, you know, as I've been looking at the defense, and this is a very small thing, but I saw it. I think it was the first, probably the first game when DeGrom was pitching. Definitely the first game when DeGrom was pitching. And I'm going to be looking more for it. There was an at-bat, if I'm not mistaken, it was Harper, that DeGrom blew him away on a fastball that Harper got a piece of, and McCann caught the strike for strike three. And it was a tough foul tip. It was it was a sharp foul tip. And I said to myself, Wilson Ramos wouldn't have done that. Now, I defended Wilson Ramos, but I think one of the things, other than the catch and throw and managing the game and and all the things that are hard to see with a catcher, if McCann can do some of those little things, this is just one example of those little things, like catching a really tough strike three that doesn't extend at-bats, it obviously, in that case, ended the inning because it was strike three and I think it was the final out. And it'll it'll be huge because how many times throughout Wilson Ramos' tenure would a pitcher make a nasty pitch? The guy would pretty much be fooled, maybe get a slight piece of it or tip it, and he couldn't catch it. And the at-bat would be extended, and maybe it led to a walk or a hit. It's so frustrating. And those are tough, tough, tough plays. I'm not saying that, you know, oh, how can you not do that? Because I certainly can't do that, and there's a lot of catchers that can't either. But if that's an example of the kind of defensive situations that are now in the Mets' favor positively, if that's the kind of stuff that McCann can bring to the table that is not overt, that is not in the box score, that is not going to be sexy headline newspaper stuff, then that's a good thing. I think on this the battery, you have to be and why Taiwan Walker, and I know it's again, the Marlins, maybe not the best offensive team and you're at home, but what Taiwan Walker showed yesterday with a nasty splitter, nasty slider, I should say, nasty slider and uh, throwing 95 plus hitting spots, uh, that's very encouraging. That's a guy that you brought in to upgrade the rotation. That's your consolation prize for Trevor Bauer. And that's a guy that you don't have a lot of in the last four years. Long sample size of success. But before he got hurt, he was a very solid pitcher for Arizona. 135 ERA plus in 2017. It was basically Noah Syndergaard. If Tywon Walker could give you six innings, six innings plus of two runs, two, three runs, uh, that is huge. Because again, I'll tell you, and and I know this is Captain Obvious stuff, but it's not talked about a lot. You the Mets cannot is currently constituted if Carrasco, Lugo, Sinigard come up goose eggs in terms of not only coming back, but but being who you think they should be. They can't overcome that as currently constituted. You saw that with Peterson. I know you have Yamamoto down in Syracuse or the alternate site, wherever the hell they sent him. Uh, you know, we'll see how that. You know, how, you know when he, if he fills in, he will have to fill in eventually. There'll be double headers, So he's going to get a shot. We'll see how that plays. But right now, you got three guys that their first start, you know, Philly's not a bad offensive team. You know, Strowman, what was impressive about Strowman is that he changes his speeds and he, and he really pitches. He's not looking to blow people away. Grom on a day that he clearly wasn't himself, throwing mainly fastballs. Maybe that goes into the delays of the season in D.C., was dominant. I mean, if that's what you're gonna get on a day when Degrom is off, geez, <laughs> that's a that's a beautiful place to be, right? I mean that that's a beautiful place to be. So that's something that's really exciting. One one turn around the rotation. We saw Luke I'll even throw Luke in there. Come out for a couple innings in the blowout in Philadelphia and give you some good innings. And and, and I and I'm we had Glennon Rush on the show about last month or two months ago. Whenever he came on. And he was very bullish on him, too. That's a guy, and, and I'll tell you what, you saw Steven Mats have a good outing to start the season in, in Toronto. I still thought Steven Matz was a guy that you didn't want to just give away. We'll see what those assets, those young arms, whether they help at some point this year in the future. But Casey has has to step up because if he's bad, that match trade looks even worse because I think Matz in a fifth spot uh, in a normal season you know, maybe he needed to get out of here to be who he, you know, I think he can be, and you saw some of that in Toronto earlier in the week, but um, you know, I'm, that's something to keep an eye on. So very bullish on the starting pitching. Hopefully, we could get another inning because I think that's going to be important long term to push these guys to seven innings. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't. I hope this is not going to be two times around the order analytical nonsense on most of these guys because to me that's long range. That's foolish, but. That could be the plan early, and then it develops, and that's why we're assessing. Remember, we're in the, who is this team phase? Who is this front office? How are they going to manage this situation? That's the whole thing. You can talk about Louis Rojas all you want, but he's just following directions from the front office. Now, where I will criticize Rojas, and it's, again, very, this is the theme, early bird. We're not getting crazy here. We're not making declarative statements here. The bullpen worries me for a variety of reasons, and it may not be as overt as you think. Now, I'm not going to... May was bad. he's looked you know, uncomfortable up there. New guy. New situation. He's finding his way, so I'm willing to give him some time uh, to figure things out. He throws hard. you know. I, I, I think he made a bad pitch sequence in, in his first outing. He didn't throw enough sliders. He had McCutcheon up there, and it's like dump one of those sliders, and you know, all of a sudden you see how this you know it's it's gone, right? You know, it's it's basically he'll flail away at it. Uh, he didn't do that. Loop, I think, got bled to death. Yes, he hit Harper and uh, and and then he got the bleeder single, but and then there was the error. So I'm not gonna go crazy. It was the process-wise, I wasn't overly crazy. And Castro, to me, uh, he's better. Let's see, because I still see a guy that easily could labor through an inning, get behind hitters, and be hittable and give up home runs. He's got that Benitez, you know, Kerosene on the fire type reliever feel to him. And he's probably more of a 6th inning guy. Right now he's in the 7th because Lugo's not around. And I think that's where May and and Lugo will play out. Lugo will be 8th inning guy. May will probably move to the 7th, so on and so forth. Things like that. But what bothered me is is I think, and I've said this, I think the bullpen, and I said this going into the season, is short. I don't think that that's any kind of... uh, I mean, that's a Captain Obvious statement. We knew that we saw that in the spring. Uh, look at Trevor Rosenthal being out. I mean, so it's not easy to build these bullpens, but there's guys like I see Archie Bradley in Philadelphia have some early season success. And I'm like, well, that was a guy I thought maybe the Mets could look at. So we'll see. Mets haven't built a bullpen in a long time. And that was a, a, a criticism of Sandy in his first tenure. And so far, <laughs> it's something that we may be talking about again throughout this 2021 season. We'll Trevor Hildenberger, who got some in a very small sample size of two or three innings, got some impressive play in spring training, is back. Batances is gone, shoulder issue, Batances is done. There was nothing in spring training in that first outing that made me think he could contribute unless there's some kind of miracle shoulder healing that's going to go on. That doesn't happen. Familia throws hard, doesn't know where it's going, don't know what's happened to this guy in his second round here with the Mets. He was always a guy that could find a way to... Uh, locate his command and locate his pitches where, you know, he, within that chaos and that uh, wildness, he was able to control it. He can't do that anymore. And uh, he's a guy that is a lower leverage guy, probably a guy that you want to have some, like on uh, the second game of the season, what was that, on Tuesday, you were able to work through a a sloppy inning because you had a cushion. Uh, But he's a guy that you're probably going to use when you're behind more than when you're ahead. Uh, and then you look at yesterday, after the three innings yesterday of bullpen work. If they don't win that game, and you get into extra innings, now you've got maybe you have Hildenberger, but you have Barnes, you have Gazellman, you've got Familia. Uh, you still could get Loop, but it's not. It's dicey. It's dicey. And the longer games go right now, if you're the you know the opposition, the the, the deeper you get into the Mets bullpen and days where. If the starters are only going to go six innings, and early on it looks like that might be the case, uh, you have a pretty good chance of winning ball games games that the Mets should win. And then it goes to the old adage. The games you lose in April hurt as much as the games you lose in September because they put you in some kind of hole. You could fix this. You could go out and acquire somebody, you know, maybe a Shane Green who hasn't got a, you know an agreement. I don't think I've seen him sign. Maybe he wants to play. Who knows? I don't know what the situation is there. And Hildenberger, we saw only a little bit of Barnes. Maybe some of these scrap heap guys, maybe there's some of the young arms down in the system that's at the alternate site that will step in and change things. But right now, as currently constituted, it's not a mess, but it's a red light and it stands out. And it's certainly not something that I feel great about. And if sounds a lot like 2019 again, if the Mets have another historically bad year in the bullpen... Uh, it's a shame because I'm not asking for best bullpen in baseball. Uh, even early on, if you give me middle of the road, I think there's enough offense and the starting pitching is good enough where they should be able to get this done. So that's really the early bird situation here. Same stuff that we've talked about for a couple of years. Bullpen's a concern. Starting pitching looks pretty good. Health, need to keep an eye on that. But it will come down to those things. It'll come down to Conforto and Lindor and how they handle their money or the money they want. Can the can the guys stay healthy? Can those, you know we're counting on that rotation. the The fact that Walker could be good gives you some time with Carrasco and Syndergaard and really could be huge because it gives Syndergaard because I think Carrasco's is the guy that could come back sooner. Hopefully that that hamstring hasn't infect, you know this hasn't affected anything else uh, as he gotten hurt. Just gives them time to get back and become themselves. And Lugo's critically, critically important. I think we know that. Without Lugo, then uh, they got to go looking out for some bullpen help sooner rather than later. Because once you have a a Castro May day off, Diaz day off, you got some problems here. You got some scary games that you better score a boatload of runs. And now you're relying on Hildenberger Barnes because I don't think you can rely on Familia. And uh, Gazelman to me, you know, I was looking for him to be sent down because I thought, uh, again, with uh, with some of the decisions they made there at the end of spring training, you know, that's that's uh, you know that was not one of the guys I thought was going to make the club. So anyway, that's our short. That's where we're at. So what's next, you know, for those who are loyal, loyal listeners of the Talking Mets podcast? Uh, working on a feature— uh, I know I came too early. I came to you, you know, a couple of days earlier because I wanted to just focus on the team and focus on some of these thoughts. But um, working on a feature for next week and the week after, some cool guests to come in. We'll continue to, you know, like I said, who is this team? That's what we're going to be doing in terms of talking about the team over the next, you know, two months, and and that's a while. But it goes fast. Think about how fast the pandemic season went, and how quickly we went into the end of the year well that's baseball until memorial day this is the drive to memorial day that's the theme so anyway i want to thank everybody for joining me for this talking Mets short of course you can check me out all the time at the talking send me a tweet at mike silva media and you can get the show on apple podcast spotify pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire if you want to interact with me mike silva at talkingmetspodcast.com, no g Mike Silva at talkingments podcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast very soon. Till then, take care, everybody. Peace.